Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to be talking about different types of AI chatbots and the relationships that people have developed with them. As Chelsea and I have prepared this podcast, we quickly realized that there was so much information that we want to share. And all the details we really feel are vital for parents and for believers to know as we really advance in this age of AI. Now, granted, so much of this changes on a daily basis in this AI arena, but there are core principles and concepts that we believe that all of us need to recognize. So in light of that, we have broken down this topic of AI chatbots into two podcasts. Today, we will provide the foundation and discuss the informational chatbots. And next week, we will enter into the very strange world of relational chatbots. It's both fascinating and frightening. Absolutely, Kelly. It's like, It's like there are two different types of relationships we can speak of. One way of using the term relationship is the sort of feelings that we have for just something, right? It can be inanimate. We talk about our relationship with food or our relationship with our phones. But when we're talking about relationships in this form, it doesn't insinuate intimacy. Although it does describe our emotional attachment to some sort of inanimate object, right? But typically... This form of a relationship also implies a one-sided kind of like power dynamic that causes the relationship to be, well, I mean, less than healthy, right? We can talk about relationships in another way too. We can talk about the relationships that we have with our children or our spouses or our closest friends, right? This form of relationship certainly assumes intimate closeness, whether it's by blood or just the bond of friendship. And there are feelings and emotions as well, but they're mutual and they're reciprocated, right? The mutuality makes a really big difference on how this type of relationship shapes and forms our life. So as we talk about chatbots and the relationships that people have with them, the reality is that these are two types of relationships that are actually becoming very blurred. Our relationship with ChatGPT, Bard, or Copilot, or any other chatbot that's out there should be similarly described as the relationship that we would have with like working out or cold weather or coffee, right? Those inanimate objects, those somethings. But what's becoming more known is that many people are being deceived into feeling as though they're close, that they're like intimate friends or even even romantic partners with their chatbot. Yeah, and all of this may sound hyperbolic, but as we walk through the details of how this is happening, from this week and next week's episode, we really do pray that you come to understand that this is a real threat to children and teens who simply do not have the brain development or the life experience to consistently and appropriately process human-like chatbots as non-human. If it is difficult for adults, right, if grown and mature men and women are deceived into believing that they have actual relationships with a computer, then as parents, we should be on the highest level of alert when it comes to our children engaging with chatbots. Okay, so that being said, let's jump into some details of chatbots, how they work, and the different type of chatbots available. First, there are two distinct types of chatbots. First are 
rules-based chatbots that provide static answers. So think about calling a pharmacy. This is a really easy example for me because this is my everyday work life. Y'all know I'm a, a retail pharmacist. So think about this. When you call a pharmacy, the automated voice system will ask you why you're calling. And you can speak the words, refill a prescription, or speak to the pharmacy staff. And the chatbot on the other side recognizes these phrases and responds according to your response. Now, if you answered with, I'd like a number two with no pickles and a Dr. Pepper, the chatbot is going to ask you to repeat the answer because it is not trained to understand anything outside of the rules and the parameters it's been given. These are the static answers that it knows. These type of chatbots are now utilized in almost every large business to at least route phone calls. Like them or love them, they are definitely here to stay. The other type of chatbot is the artificial intelligence trained bot, which understands human language and it provides dynamic, intelligent responses when it's prompted with questions. So last week, we talked about ChatGPT and it answers questions, it solves mathematical equations, and it can even write essays upon request. The intelligence, and I'm kind of putting that in air quotes, the intelligence piece that makes the chatbot feel human-like, it stems from its language training, which allows it to respond in a text form. It can predict and generate content similar to what a human brain can because it's trained on enormous data sets. This type of generative AI is life-changing because it's the first time ever that a computer understands human language. To understand just how powerful chatbots like ChatGBT are and the influence they have, consider just how fast they have grown. In a recent article posted on CNET, which was titled Everyday AI, Chatbots Are Changing How We Live and Work Today, this article highlights that it took Netflix three and a half years to reach one million users. It took Airbnb two and a half years, Facebook only 10 months, Spotify five months, Instagram three months to reach the 1 million user mark, but ChatGPT, it only took five days to gather a million users. Five days. And not only that, they reached 100 million users in two months. That is mind-blowing. Yeah, I knew ChatGPT was a massive force, but when you look at it compared to other very powerful internet phenomena, such as Instagram, three months, Spotify, five months, it really adds perspective to not only its influence, but its impact, five days. Absolutely. And Common Sense Media, they just recently reported that 58% of teens have interacted with a chatbot. 58% of teens have interacted with a chatbot and 53% use ChatGPT instead of Google. This is also very telling data that parents have to consider as their children are introduced to AI, maybe even without their knowledge. That's right. So let's consider how all of the AI companies are marketing their chatbots in order to get consumer buy-in because we know they're huge and it's so important to just see the, the underlying marketing that we often don't think critically of. So often, these companies apply human-like names such as companion, assistant, or co-pilot in order to lower the threshold of awkwardness that this chatbot's personality, in quotes, 
and intelligence is artificial. And there is a fancy name for when you apply human characteristics and qualities to something non-human-like, like a computer. And the name of that is anthropomorphism. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe that's a new word for you. We're going to use it quite a bit. So get used to that big word. Now, we see this word actually applied within scripture when God is spoken of with human characteristics. For example, Psalm 89.10 says that God scattered enemies with his strong arm. Numbers 6.25 speaks of God's face shining upon you. These are anthropomorphic attributes because while humans are made in God's image, God is not human. He doesn't have an actual arm to reach down and scatter armies, nor does he have a face that shines. So just like a chatbot doesn't have an actual personality or emotions, no matter what the advertising claims. And very often they claim that this chatbot has emotions and it has consciousness and it has personality. So it may seem like this chatbot has a voice that speaks to you and has empathy to understand your feelings. It is not human. The likeness that they possess to human traits reflects only what they have been trained to do. These anthropomorphisms are only descriptive terms. They are not equivalent to human characteristics and attributes. This is a crucial point that must be made for children. Kelly, earlier when we mentioned just how technology is blurring lines, I immediately thought of productivity, right? When are we ever off from our jobs if we are always connected to them via email, right? No one really knows how to answer that question anymore. When are we off from our job? So training our children to have technological discernment is especially hard when we as parents are learning this too. And after a while, after habitual engagement with chatbots, it can be very hard to distinguish between the bot and the human, especially when I think of something like Alexa, right? These things have become so ubiquitous in homes. And a lot of parents actually, they actually want their kids to speak to Alexa with manners, like asking please and saying thank you, because they don't want their children giving just demands. Well, by doing this, it treats Alexa as if it's almost human. So yeah, it is so important right now for us as parents to reinforce the non-human aspect with kids, but also with ourselves. We have to keep technology in the context of what it is because it's not human. That is absolutely it, Chelsea. And that's precisely what we're going to be talking about. So interestingly enough, there have been four degrees of AI anthropomorphism defined. And these four degrees are first, courtesy, just like what you were saying, asking please and saying thank you to the AI. Another one is reinforcement. And that's telling the bot that it did a good job responding to you. So even like ChatGPT kind of has a thumbs up, thumbs down, whether or not you thought the response was good. This is the reinforcement. This is the same thing we would do with our children saying, you did a great job. A third degree of AI anthropomorphism is a role play. And this would be like asking the bot to give your answer in the form of a medieval Viking, you know, or some other type of role-playing type of character. And the fourth degree of AI anthropomorphism is companionship, looking for an emotional connection from the bot. So we have courtesy, reinforcement, role-play, and companionship. 
Now, different chatbots engage with these varying degrees of anthropomorphism more than others. Today, our focus will be on informational chatbots, where we certainly see the courtesy phenomenon. Next week, when we discuss relational chatbots, we will see the anthropomorphic lean into companionship in a profound way. Either way, the anthropomorphic qualities are what deceive us into treating chatbots as humans and having some type of relationship with them, even if that is a dependent or reliant relationship. A point that we cannot emphasize enough is that chatbots are trained computer programs that do not have consciousness. They are devoid of true understanding, intent, and experience. The deception can occur so easily. So remembering the true character, if you will, if you're going to call it character, of chatbots really helps keep them in their proper context. Okay, so with that being said, we're going to move into a very specific talk about informational AI chatbots. So that's the difference. So we're going to talk about informational AI chatbots and then next week, relational chatbots. So the informational AI chatbots, this encompasses the major players that we have discussed, OpenAI's ChatGPT, Microsoft's Copilot, which used to be Bing, Google Bard, but there are also some unique certain brands such as MyAI within Snapchat and Pinwheel GPT, an optional app on Pinwheel phones. Now, there are a host of more narrow and topic-driven informational chatbots that we'll also review, but first, let's look at these Goliaths of informational chatbots. I think the first one we've got to go to, Cal, is ChatGPT. We have talked a lot about this on the podcast. This is the informational chatbot. It is the original, and it will likely be the gold standard for a while. The design is certainly intended to feel conversational, hence chat. Chat is part of the name, right? And that inherently adds human-like qualities. Asking the bot a question doesn't necessarily make it feel more human, but rather it is the nature of the responses that over the course of time and over the course of just interactions, it arouses a sense of like humanness within the bot. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. You ask ChatGPT, what is a good recipe using fresh cod, garlic, cherry, tomatoes, and pasta? Maybe this is just all that you have in your fridge and your pantry at the time. ChatGPT responds with, try making a delicious cod puttanesca. And it provides a recipe that includes capers, but you hate capers, so you ask if there's a substitute. ChatGPT responds with, certainly, exclamation mark. You can substitute chopped green olives or sliced Kalamata olives for a slightly different but still tasty flavor for your cod puttanesca. Okay, so feeling confident with what ChatGPT has given you and your new recipe idea, you ask ChatGPT again, can you recommend a good wine to go with this meal? And then ChatGPT makes a suggestion. Can you guys see how the relationship, how the questions and the responses begin to feel kind of human-like? When you ask if there's a substitute for capers, it responds not just with the olives, but with an encouraging, certainly. And then it adds, it will be a slightly different flavor, but it's still going to be tasty. And there's a distinct aura of optimism in the response, not the slightest bit of judgment for wanting to sub out the capers. This encourages you to ask ChatGPT more questions. And without thinking, 
you inquire, can you recommend as if the chatbot is a person? The responses are so conversational and respectful, and in turn, the users are just naturally compelled to be courteous. This is one of the degrees of AI anthropomorphism. So as users continue the questions and the responses, the general feeling of human-likeness, it just grows, which can lead a person to start asking less informational questions and more personal or even relational questions. Mm-hmm. So let's jump to Copilot or the new Bing by Microsoft. The advantages that this chatbot has over ChatGPT is that it has access to the internet. Now you may think, doesn't ChatGPT have access to the internet? And if you have the paid version, yes, it does. But ChatGPT, the free version, is only going based off of the data sets it's learned from the internet through 2021. So if you were to ask it something fairly new, it actually tells you, all of my information is limited up to 2021, so you kind of need to do more research. Well, ChatGPT4, like I said, is available for pay, $20 a month for subscription, but Copilot uses GPT4 and it's free. The other advantage of Copilot is that its responses provide links back to its sources. Well, that feature alone makes it a better choice for students using AI chatbots for educational help because it's going to give you links where you can find more information. Now, what I did find interesting in my testing use of Copilot was how the user can change the tone of the conversation. So Copilot gives you a choice. You can choose from creative, which they define as original, and imaginative chat, or you can choose from balanced, and that is informative and friendly chat, or you can choose from precise, which is considered concise and straightforward. So depending on what tone you choose, the starting prompt adapts to fit the tone. With the precise tone, the prompt states, this is what I find really interesting. So say I choose precise. It says, I'm here to find answers for you. What questions do you have? Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Now, if I choose balanced tone, the prompt reads, let's find answers and have a little chat too. What can I do for you? So you can already see the little nuanced language. Okay, we're gonna find answers, but we're also gonna have a little chat, right? Like we're friends. And then with the creative tone, the prompt says, Nice, exclamation point. It will be fun with GPT-4. And then it has the celebrate party popper emoji. And then it says, responses may be slower while being creative. What do you want to explore today? Now, I don't think it's gonna come as a shock to our listeners that when it comes to using informational chatbots as a tool, we only recommend the precise tone. It is so interesting, right? How that balanced tone literally states find answers, and have a little chat too. The point of AI, and we would argue the greatest use of all informational chatbots, is to find and learn new information, not to engage in a fun little chat with an anthropomorphized computer program. So that is very, very key when thinking about this. And then I also want to mention Google Bard. Now, Google Bard is the only one of the big players of informational AI chatbots powered by Google's proprietary Gemini 
large language model, LLM. It's not powered by GPT-3 or GPT-4, which is what almost all the other informational AI chatbots are powered by. It too is conversationally based, just like ChatGPT. It answers questions based in real-time information from Google searches. Whereas ChatGPT, the free version, again, is only using data based on 2021 and before. Now, BARD doesn't really make the top of anyone's best chatbots, but they are consistently advancing their LLM, trying to stay competitive. Next, we listed MyAI, which is the GPT-powered chatbot within Snapchat. Now, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that Snapchat is one of our least favorite apps. Well, Snapchat was quick to jump on board the chatbot train and embedded MyAI directly into the Snap interface. MyAI encourages teens to ask anything from gift suggestions for friends to homework help. And like most everything on Snapchat, MyAI demonstrates their lack of concern for the safety and the integrity of young people. There were early reviews of MyAI, which showed how the chatbot provided responses ranging from recommending good alcoholic drinks for a party, which the Washington Post journalist noted in one of the prompts that was previous that it was for a 15-year-old's birthday party, or how to hide the smell of marijuana, or how to make your first sexual experience special, you know, such as like lighting candles and playing soft romantic music. The Washington Post writer described my AI as a cross between a pot-smoking older brother and a responsible adult. Sometimes all in the same conversation. Yeah, so I read those reviews. And so I thought, okay, I need to get on there. I need to test this out. And in my personal interactions with my AI, I didn't attempt to trick it up and give me the garbage advice because I saw the screenshots from all the other journalists who had done so already. So I actually asked it a medical type of question, which it handled responsibly. And then I asked it a bullying question and it did respond with empathy saying, how sorry it was to hear that I was being bullied. So then I decided, you know what, I'm just going to ask it a theological question. So I asked, trying to sound very teen-like, what's the deal with Jesus? And I'm not going to lie, I was actually slightly impressed with this answer. (laughs) My AI told me that according to Christianity, Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of humanity. Another question I asked that I, again, was shocked by was its answer to when I asked, what is sanctification? And it responds it with this, quote, sanctification describes the process of becoming holy or set apart for God's purposes. It involves growing in faith and becoming more like Jesus in our thoughts, action, and character. So I read this response to my husband, and he immediately said, you know, read that again, because he caught that it used our reference instead of referring to Christians in the third person, My AI said, becoming more like Jesus in our thoughts, actions, and character. So very interesting. Maybe it was a fluke, right? A hallucination, but nonetheless interesting. That is super interesting. I I don't really, really know what to say about that, but I do know that we still do not recommend Snapchat or My AI for any matter. True. Other safety concerns, though, Kelly, they still do persist aside from the output provided by the bot. Snap tells its users up front that it uses the information shared to personalize the user's experience, including ads. Now, because of this, my AI has been deemed more of a tattletale than an actual kind of like friend or something you could have a relationship with. 
conversations are hidden after 24 hours on my AI, but apparently Snap still has access to all of them in order to target ads for its users. Furthermore, Snap has placed my AI at the top position within conversations where most teens obviously spend their time. And this can only be moved with the paid subscription to Snap Plus. And Snap encourages users to ask anything because my AI is your friend, even when none of your other friends are around. But in the fine print, it says that users should not share secrets with my AI or rely on it for advice. So it's promoted like a friend, but really it's like the FBI investigator acting like your friend while subtly extracting personal data to use against you. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, we definitely still do not recommend Snapchat or my AI, despite the fairly accurate theological questions. So the last general information AI chatbot that we had mentioned in our kind of list of Goliaths is Pinwheel GPT. And I really wanted to include this because we at Brave Parenting, we love pinwheel phones as a kid's safe phone. We promote it all the time. We have them. We love them. However, we must acknowledge that they too jumped on the chatbot train very early on. And Pinwheel's promotion of their chatbot, they state that it is designed especially for kids in that there are no inappropriate answers, no links, no images, and no ads. And Pinwheel's already robust parental controls is also sort of an umbrella over their chatbot. And so that is good. So what makes it a safer option is that parents can see every question their child asks through the pinwheel portal, which is also where parents can read all of their child's text messages, see their location, set restrictions and time limits, all that good stuff. So for sure, this is super helpful compared to any other informational chatbot. But ChatGPT also doesn't have ads or links or pictures. Well, it actually can generate pictures, but in that regard. So in that sense, it's not necessarily better. The only thing that makes it better is that it tells you all of the questions and records that. But I really want to apply the question here of just because they can, does it mean that they should? It really has to be considered because depending on the child's age with a pinwheel phone, it may be better to allow their curiosity to drive them to learn experientially instead of driving them to a chatbot that will just spill out the answer. The younger the child, the less necessary pinwheel GPT really is. However, I can see like a child in middle school could learn to navigate through this sort of AI chatbot technology much safer through a pinwheel phone than say with just chat GPT on any, any other phone device or you know, unrestricted computer. But I would say the overarching concern is the difference between learning and entertainment. And when we talk about things being blurred, this is absolutely blurred lines in our society. So asking Pinwheel GPT or any other chatbot an information question, something that you would have had to go and say back in our day, look up in an encyclopedia or find it in a book in the library. But now you're just gonna search Google for the answer. Well, these queries serve to provide learning opportunities. You're just using a chatbot instead of a Google search or instead of encyclopedia. So, but the caution here is when, because of the conversational and courteous responses, the chatbot begins to feel human and kids turn their informational question 
into personal or private queries. For example, a kid may ask, why are my friends mean to me? Or I'm bored, I'm lonely, what should I do? Or even what type of movies do you like? These type of queries are not for the sake of learning, but they take on the form of entertainment, filling the space of boredom. And this is especially true when it's available on a phone like Pinwheel. Because Pinwheel allows the complete block of apps, chances are a kid won't have apps to turn to in order to look sort of busy on their phone, which is generally because everyone around them is on their phones looking busy. So right, you can picture this. Picture kids after school. They're waiting for their parent pickup. Half of these kids, if not 99% of them, are just staring down at their phones. Well, if your child has a pinwheel phone and there's nothing to do besides text, there's nothing to scroll, and maybe there's nobody to text, they might sort of fake that they're doing something, but there just really isn't anything to do on it. But if Pinwheel GPT was on that phone, they could pull it out and start engaging in a conversation. Not in a sense that I want to learn some information, but more in the sense of I want to look busy, I want to look engaged, I want to look important, and now I've got something to converse with. I don't have to wait for a reply from someone on text to make it look like I'm doing something. Pinwheel GPT will respond immediately with a conversation. And so when it's used this way, we all know, like this is, this is not learning. This is entertainment. This is using it as a crutch. And this ultimately will make kids even more lonely. It, this is not a good habit that we want. I think these are really terrible and unhealthy reasons to engage with an AI chatbot. So if you have a pinwheel phone and you've thought about, should I use the pinwheel GPT? Maybe older middle school, high school, again, because you can use it as a teaching experience, because you can read all of the questions your child is asking, but otherwise really think about what you're doing by giving that additional app on a phone that is meant to only be used as a tool, not a crutch. Those are excellent points, Kelly. And this is one of those subtleties that most parents won't think about. I personally love, love when I see a child standing aimlessly waiting on a parent or a friend instead of staring at their phone. Or when, for example, they're waiting at a table, you know, they're waiting for a table at a restaurant and they're reading a book instead of tapping away on a screen. When we see this trend of kids staring at phones everywhere, I don't want parents to begin to see it as normal or even acceptable. Because let's be honest, the use of the smartphone as a distraction from life, a distraction from relationships, from learning, this is a real problem. And you've just nailed it. Allowing an AI chatbot to be used on a phone as an open door to always have a friend or always have a companion to talk to whenever a kid wants to escape, right? Or when life just feels hard or they want to feel heard or just, I, the list is endless, but I think it's just wrong. It's, it's not healthy for the child. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, when we talked about the Common Sense Media report, Constant Companion, and we were just talking about the phone as a whole. The phone and all of its apps was the constant companion. And now with an with a informational or relational chatbot like this, they literally call it a companion. And so we're not even talking about just the phone itself. I mean, now it's just getting so much more intimate. 
And so we've been able to make these conclusions and we've only looked at like five of the major informational AI chatbots. <laughs> we haven't even touched on the more narrowed use of AI chatbots and all of their quirks. And look what we've already discovered. I know it's kind of crazy, isn't it? So let's, okay, so let's talk about the wide range of informational chatbots. I don't think for a minute our list will be encompassing, but it will give our listeners a solid understanding of all the ways these chatbots can be used. So first, let's mention the educational informational chatbots. We talked about these um, with ChatGPT and education last week, but there are many AI chatbots marketed specifically for homework help. Some were created fast and quick and have little or no moderation and no controls, and therefore we absolutely do not recommend those. Some aim to literally do the homework for the student, allowing pictures to be taken of questions and providing answers. That's just dangerous and lazy. There are so many in this category, so it's easier to talk about the only ones that are remotely good and that we would recommend. So the first is ConMingo, and this is from Khan Academy. We love their terms of use, and basically, if you don't use the chatbot for educational and learning enhancement, they're going to kick you off of it. So they state, asking ConMingo to do your homework for you is considered a non-educational use of it. ConMingo is here to help you think through your work like a tutor would not shortcut your way to an answer. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> because of their strict guidelines and the parent the parental or educator controls that they have, Conmingo can be used by students of all ages. And yes, the teacher or the parent portal allows access to all the questions asked in Conmingo. Another informational AI chatbot that is highly rated is Cryon Learning. This AI powered Tutor aims to specifically help fourth graders learn math responsibly through expert designed videos and a chatbot trained on the expert teacher's responses to common questions. Obviously, this serves a specific niche need, but it is a great example of how AI chatbots can be used ethically with maximum student benefit in mind. A third educational AI chatbot that we can mention is ELO. This app is also specific to helping young readers ages four through eight. They use proprietary speech recognition model that listens and tracks children as they read from pre-selected physical or digital books. It helps them overcome tricky words and it encourages the child's success. I'm going to also mention that this one's kind of expensive at $25 a month. The reason that we wanted to highlight some of these informational AI chatbots is to show you that some companies and organizations, they truly do care about ethical and beneficial learning. This technology, it, it can be used to create educational aids just as easily as it can create educational cheats. So for the Christian parent, it's not only imperative to distinguish the difference, but also to contemplate the moral formation that occurs when we are habitually habitually engaging in technology. Any technology that we engage with, it has a motive. It was designed with an intended use. Dr. Jacob Schatzer, who's a professor and associate dean of the School of Theology and Missions at Union University, he says in his book, Transhumanism and the Image of God, he says we, meaning Christians, have to be aware of this, the moral formation, unless we think that our goals in life will always align with the goals that tools were made for. God's will of sanctification and holiness 
will not always align with technology's intended motive or purpose for us. So we must be discerning about the two. Yeah, and I've said it before, their main goal for most technology companies, the giants, is maximum engagement and addiction. I've stated this before, it's sickening and it should really cause outrage. But instead, we, we somehow become deceived and think that our goals for life align with the goals that this technology is providing us. And it's not, and it's changing us. And this is, this is such a key point that we have to discern and recognize. And in speaking of that, another more specified use chatbot is AI parenting help. Yes, y'all, there are chatbots out there designed to walk you through all of your parenting challenges from toddlers to teens. Hopefully, you can already see the red flags of concern here. One such AI chatbot is Muse, M-U-S-E. They actually call the Muse bot your, quote, parenting co-pilot. And this app promotes, quote, enrich your child's life with fun activities every day. Through your interactions with the app, describing your child, their daily activities, what they eat, and how they sleep, the, new, the Muse bot provides insights into the child's development and suggests way that you can encourage their growth each day. Woo. So the app encourages you to record your child's voice even for analysis, to upload pictures of your child's art, to record all of your special memories what they eat, how many hours they sleep, what they did. Yikes, y'all, this, first of all, sounds like a privacy nightmare. Now, their privacy terms state that they use encryption and firewalls, but to what extent is not disclosed? And as my, you know, our resident tech expert, my husband Ryan says, so many of these companies, of these startup companies, do not use strong encryption. These are things that can be easily overcome, which is why there are privacy leaks. It's because people can break through the encryption, break through the firewall. So when you're giving so much personal information about your child, this is super concerning. And another concern is really just more fundamental. In order to access and utilize the co-pilot Muse bot, the parent has to be on their phone. And frankly, parents don't need one more reason or justification to be on their phone, quote, learning how to parent, right? You just need to be simply on the floor, playing and engaging in relational ways with the child. You know, as always, any app or chatbot that distracts you away from human relationships is garbage. It is just a complete waste of your time because there is nothing more important than the relationship, especially with your child, but all human relationships. I even, saw, I even saw one parenting help chatbot app share a screenshot of a phone timer that prompted fathers to set a timer for when they wanted to be reminded to engage with their kids for a while. Dude, I mean, this, like, this is kind of sad. Are we really to that point? So along those same sort of lines, there is also bedtime story AI chatbots. The idea here and this is kind of what they promote in their marketing, is that the parent is tired and the child really wants a creative bedtime story made up and told to them. Well, praise the Lord, there is now a chatbot for that. 
You can just feed bedtimestory.ai your child's name and some of the details of the story that you want created. And within a minute, you have a unique story to read to your child. Again, this is another case of just because you can, does it really mean that you should? Especially if you were doing this from your phone with your child. Just keep the phones away already, right? We must also remember that any technology that we engage with is going to somehow alienate us from some part of our life. This is what Michael Harris describes in his book, The End of Absence, is this alienation. So parents, we must be cautious when we engage with parenting apps or any type of chatbots because it could alienate you from, say, the body of Christ. Instead of seeking parenting wisdom from older men and women, other parents that have just been through different scenarios that maybe you're going through and could guide you, Instead, you're alienating yourself from those parents, from those human relationships, or maybe even from your own parents, the grandparents of the children who could speak into your life and refresh you as a parent. It could alienate you from just your simple parental instincts and erode the confidence or instinct that God has given you to raise your children, right? Because he entrusted you with them. He has given you everything that you need in order to do this job. And I think even worse, it could alienate you from God himself by pushing you to trust a chatbot's answers instead of leaning on him in prayer and trusting him through the hard times and through the suffering. Those are excellent points, Kelly. Now, we have informational chatbots also, this is going to be hard to say, for counseling and for mental health. Now, as a counselor myself, I have 100 red flags with these chatbots. This is actually a topic that we plan to devote an entire podcast on. So for now, we're just going to say that these types of chatbots or these chatbot apps are absolutely booming. We've acknowledged the lack of mental health providers and the lack of mental health services to meet the need of our worsening mental health across the country. So many people feel that these trained chatbots are the solution to the problem. Now, one of the greatest concerns centers around the client-counselor relationship. This is essential for effective therapy. Um, Trust is absolutely necessary, as we've already established. And these AI chatbots, they can make mistakes. Not only that, many people are beginning to feel that they can trust an AI chatbot with their secrets without being judged or shamed. And to be frank, without critical judgment from a counselor, how can they actually grow? Trusting your emotional, mental, and spiritual wellness to a chatbot establishes a relationship, a relationship that is artificial and therefore more risky than a human relationship. Yeah, this podcast on counseling and mental health chatbots will most likely come out after the relational chatbots. So you've only got about two weeks to wait on that one. All right. So one more type of specialized AI chatbots that we want to mention, and this is chatting with historical figures. Now, I can see how many parents would categorize this as educational and entertaining and therefore a better alternative than, say, watching SpongeBob on TV. Well, examples of these types of informational chatbots include Hello History, People AI, and of course, Chat with Jesus. Most of these apps are benign and generally superficial. They tend to have in built in parameters and restrictions that require the conversation to remain on the role in history. I think these could be used under parental supervision, especially if a child, say, 
as a project to do on a former president or some other type of world changer. But as always, it is so imperative to communicate with kids that, honey, this is not really Abraham Lincoln. This is just a computer trained with information about Honest Abe. And so when talking with him, you have to keep in mind that you are only talking to a computer. This is a great way to introduce kids in a way to the way that it can feel human, it can feel like you're talking to Abraham Lincoln, but that it's not. So again, under parental supervision, this could be used. Now, the chat with Jesus, just don't. Don't even go there. I did the slightest bit of research and it's so so much of a joke and so much heresy, I just couldn't even. So don't even go there. Don't encourage your children to chat with Jesus. So as you can see, informational AI chatbots are one of the largest developing areas of technology. We didn't even touch on half of the little nuanced categories that there are. But whether they are being created to provide positive aid for humanity, right? So some companies are working to create specified chatbots for people with dementia and other disease states. Other companies are designing them simply for entertainment. There are so many in the pipeline. And that really brings us full circle to how these informational and conversational chatbots will change how we obtain and learn new information. As so many business services begin to transition from rules-based chatbots to AI chatbots, their commonness and normality will increase. And I think this could mean one of two things. One is that we grow accustomed to AI chatbots and see them for what they truly are, computers trained to communicate information despite their conversational nature, the overuse and ubiquity of them diminishes their sense of humanness. That could be one option. Or another option could be that people continue to turn more towards AI chatbots as their distrust or distaste for humanity grows. Our current society of radical individualism has prompted people to reject or distrust anyone who is different or disagrees with them. And this is our current reality. And I don't know, it's, I think it's wholly possible that in an attempt to assuage loneliness, this creates that chatbots are going to become like the more trusted thing. I think you're, I think you're right on. I think you're hitting the nail on the head, Cal. I wonder if we're going to stop saying to our kids, well, just Google the answer. It'll be like, just check your chatbot, ask your chatbot. You know, I wonder if, I wonder if that's how our language is going to be replaced with as we grow in this technology, because we don't know, right? You guys, that's the thing. Only God sovereignly knows what tomorrow holds. He alone sustains the earth by the word of his power, because we don't know where this technology is going to lead humanity. And as Christ followers, we believe it's best to err on the side of discerning and limited engagement. We have to wisely choose when, how, and why to employ the aid of an informational chatbot. We must teach our children diligently that computers are not and can never be human. They can never have feelings or souls. And we must reinforce that human relationships are a gift from God. And even though they are sometimes hard, they serve a sanctifying and redeeming purpose for us personally and for the kingdom of God. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. So on that note, we are going to stop here 
And then next week, we're going to pick up our conversation on relational AI chatbots, as opposed to today's, which was informational. That's right. The next episode is going to be mind-bending, to say the least. So if you have felt the weight of informational chatbots in this episode, you'll need to do some stretches before listening in our in next week's episode because we are going to be doing some heavy lifting. We are going to be lifting some heavy realities. Yeah, it's true. I've got so much to say from the research that I have. So, so true. All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode. Share, share, share. Don't be shy. Other parents, I guarantee you, I know they need this content. All of us as Christian parents have got to be informed to make discerning choices about AI. So may God bless you all. Until next week, go and be brave.